0: There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine, but we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain. David Wilson
1: And it's time for your weekly Grape Encounter and man oh man I have got so much I want to Talk about I have a theme For today's show which is mistakes that every wine lover should try to avoid. But there's also a lot of other things that have just been going on over the past couple of weeks that I I really wanted to squeeze into today's show. So we're going to go without guests today because we've got a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to start out with the subject of mistakes that we want to avoid as wine lovers. We're just going to dive right into it. This first thing that I want to talk about is something that comes up all the time. Because as most of you know, I have a tasting room. And so I see literally hundreds upon hundreds of you every single week. And one of the common themes that I hear all the time is complaints about wine clubs. And I wanted to share with you my thoughts about wine clubs because it really is an area where you can make some really big mistakes and, you know, it can be great too. There are some tremendous wine clubs out there. I'm not going to diss anybody and I'm not going to recommend to anybody, but I'm just going to tell you some of the things that I really think that you should be looking out for when you join a wine club. The first thing that I think everybody needs to know where wine clubs are concerned is this. Many, many, if not most, winemakers, wineries, will make some wines during the year that are not all that stellar. And those wines need to get into circulation. They can't just sit in bottles in boxes. And so there are a lot of, and I I mean, I hate to say this really, but there are a lot of cases where those cases of wine... Wind up in a wine club shipment now maybe the wine club shipment has three or four or five or six bottles in it, and maybe only one of those bottles is substandard, but still, it's really a problem, I think and i and I hear complaints all the time from people who say, "Gosh, you know, I got my wine club shipment," and you know one or two of the bottles in there was not particularly stellar, and this isn't an indictment of wineries. But I will tell you that they don't really have much of a choice. Now, what a lot of wineries will do actually with wines that aren't that great is they'll blend them with other things and they'll, you know, fix them up so they taste more respectable. But a lot of times they just wind up in a wine club shipment. I would say this about wine club shipments, okay? If a winery has enough wine, really good wine that they produce every year, So that your shipment gives you something different every time you receive it, then that's a good thing. But there are a lot of wineries out there that only make a small amount of wine, and I mean small in terms of the varietals that they produce. And so what that often means is that you're going to get a shipment in the first quarter of the year that has, you know, three bottles in it. And then maybe uh, two shipments later, you're going to see some of the same bottles reappear. Now, if you love those wines and you want to get those wines periodically, then that's, I suppose, a good thing. But if you're looking for variety... Before you sign up for a wine club, make absolutely certain that they're producing enough quality wine to ensure that every time you get a shipment, you get something new, you get something different, and you get something great. Now, the other thing is, is the, the main reason that you do want to sign up for a wine club, and uh, again, I'm all for wine clubs, but you're supposed to be able to save a bunch of money on the wines that you receive. Now, I'm going to say this, that if if you're not saving at least 25%, then maybe it's not the best thing for you to do. Because remember, you're going to also be charged a shipping charge, and that has to be factored into the cost of your wine club. So if you're not getting a really super good deal, then you might want to avoid it. I will tell you this. Even before I got into this business, I had memberships in a whole lot of wine clubs. And I have joined just as many wine clubs as I have quit. Now, one of the things that wine clubs do is they often will put on what's called a pickup party. And if it's a really good party, they're serving you dinner. They're giving you glasses of wine that are included in the cost of your wine club membership. And you can go to those parties. That's a good thing. But, you know, a lot of times if you join a wine club and you live out of state and you can't go to the pickup party, then you're actually paying for something that you're never going to use. So it really comes down to this. Really look at the benefits that you're getting with a wine club before you join it. And I have to be super candid with you about the circumstances under which a lot of people join a wine club. You know, you're out in a wine region and you're going from tasting room to tasting room and you're having a great time in the tasting room and you like a lot of the wines that you're tasting and you're told that if you want to buy some wines that day, you could save a bunch of money by joining the wine club. And you go, well, wait a second. You know, I'm going to buy a case of wine today. And you do the calculation in your head and you go, well, I'll save 30%. And this is going to be a really great thing. And so you end up signing up for the wine club and, you know, maybe it costs you $150. Let's just say that. Well, one of the problems that most people complain about is the fact that they may sign up for the wine club And that particular month, the fee is, you know, $130, $150. And then suddenly, three months later, they get a shipment and their credit card has been billed, you know, like $170. So you have to ask the question, how much is each shipment going to be? Is there a cap on the price of the shipments? Am I going to get different wines each time? What are the benefits that I'm going to get? How much am I going to really save? So if you ask these questions and you get the answers that you want, then you know what? Go ahead, join, sign up. And and by the way, make sure that you have an exit available to you. That is to say, if you sign up in January, that you don't have to go all the way to December to quit the wine club make sure that you can quit in, you know, three months or six months, whatever you feel comfortable with, but make sure that you can do that. Now, again, uh, there are some great wine clubs out there. In most cases, even I would say it makes sense to join a wine club that is run by a winery that you really, really love. But remember that when you're out and about and you're having fun, you've been drinking, you're feeling kind of loose and you want to buy some wine, you want to save a little money, just ask yourself, what is this going to cost me in the end? I did want to say this. I was sitting and using my cell phone the other day and all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting on my phone all of these slideshows of all of my photographs. And one of them that was particularly heartwarming to me was a slideshow of a wine competition that I judged earlier this year in the city of Fresno, uh, which is in the Central Valley of California. You know, it's a small wine competition, but it's a really good one. It had a lot of really good judges there. And it was held at the Total Wine & More in Fresno. And uh, if you've been listening in the last couple of weeks, I am so proud to say that Total Wine and More & More is now a sponsor of Grape Encounters. And I couldn't be prouder because I have always loved this company. And you can buy wine so inexpensively there that, to be honest with you, I'm not sure why you would join a wine club, because you can just go in there and you can get wine for just such a decent price. But the other thing that's so really cool about Total Wine and More is the fact that the people that work there get a ton of training. Now, this room that we were in, a very big room, it's the same room where they do their training and the folks that work there they really know what they're doing so i'm i'm proud to endorse them i really love the company if you want to know more about total wine and more you want to buy some products online if they can ship them to your particular state you go to totalwine.com and total wine uh, thanks for showing your faith in grape encounters we think a lot alike we'll be back with more grape encounters right after this
0: David will be back with more Grape Encounters in a couple of minutes, which means there simply isn't enough time for him to enjoy more than a sip or two of one of his faves. Oh, the sacrifices we make in the broadcasting business. We like to talk about... Wine.
2: The Oregon Wine Experience's Founders Barrel Auction on Friday, August 23rd, is an afternoon of elegance. Sample wine futures from authentic Wine Cellars, Hewitt Cellars, Laurel Ridge Winery, Left Coast Estate, Russell Prayer Rock Vineyards, Stone Griffin Vineyard, Vulcan Cellars, plus many more. The action takes off as you bid on the opportunity to win a case or the whole barrel of Oregon's finest wines. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon.
0: Free trade chocolate covered walnuts. And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com.
1: Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from zip-lining to delectable dining
0: discover all that affordable atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. welcome back to grape encounters radio broadcasting from our central coast wine country studio in idyllic atascadero california grape encounters is brought to you by total wine and more america's largest independent retailer of fine wine they carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. Man, oh man, I hate it when I don't follow my own rules. Goodness
1: gracious. We're talking about the things that, as wine enthusiasts, we should avoid doing. The don'ts of wine. And I broke my own rules. Because I got a bottle of wine from a really great producer, and it is a 2006. So what is that, 13 years old? It's basically uh, Cabernet-based, and this is a winemaker who just makes some scrump-diddly-umptious wines, and I really don't want to say <laughs> who it is, because if he hears this show, he is going to be so perturbed at me. I don't know, it was a long night last night, and uh, we drank about... I guess maybe just a glass or two. And it's a kind of a precious bottle because it's, you know, there's not too many wines that are sitting around like that that have that kind of age on them. And, and normally I Coravin my wines and I don't know what possessed me. I think we were going to drink the whole bottle and then we ended up not doing that. So I just pulled the cork, right? The least I could have done was I could have used something called private preserve and just squirted it into the bottle and that would have been great except that today i i walked in and i saw it there with a cork poking out i said "Uh uh-oh i hope i didn't blow it listen you know the older wine gets the more fragile it gets Newer wines will probably last a little bit better under these circumstances, but this is an older wine, right? So I pull the cork out and I pour a little bit into the glass and it is 100% totally oxidized, undrinkable, unrecognizable as the wine that I had corked last night. I blew it. I wasted a 100 bucks worth of wine. Yikes! The thing that you should not do is... Cut corners when it comes to preserving your wine. I have always been, ever since it came out, which is, I'm going to say, what, maybe seven years ago that the Coravin came out, and I'm not endorsing the product particularly. I, I love the product, don't get me wrong, and I have about four or five of them but they're expensive. They're hundreds of dollars. And basically, if you're not familiar with a Coravin, what it is, is it's a little device that has a a cartridge full of argon. And then it has a needle. It's called a non-coring needle. And you stick it through the cork of the bottle. I don't do anything else. I don't take the foil off the bottle. I just stick it right through the foil, through the cork. Anyway, the argon creates pressure in the bottle, and then when you invert the bottle, the wine comes out, and the argon, which is an inert gas, replaces the oxygen, or at least the airspace, I should say, in the bottle, and it keeps your wine pristine, and it'll stay in pretty good shape for a pretty long time. Um, I don't know whether they're selling any Coravin's online, like on eBay or something like that. It's definitely a worthwhile device to have. But, the, you know, whether you use a Coravin or you use another technique, you got to be really super careful. And and frankly, the older the wine is, probably the more fragile the wine is. I was given a bottle of Cabernet that dated back to 1957. So I was excited to share some of this wine with some of my friends. So, you know, instead of just drinking the entire bottle, I kind of just drank a couple of glasses and then I just wanted to uh, share it with, you know, people that I thought would be really interested in the wine. But the problem is, is that you have to be so gentle with older wines and even the slightest exposure to oxygen is not really a good thing. And by the way, that's a good argument for... Maybe not decanting a wine with the intent of letting it breathe because the minute that oxygen hits that older wine, the wine is so vulnerable. Now, if you're going to decant it to make sure that you remove the sediment, it's a different story. But drink the wine. Drink it then and don't try to preserve it for another day because it ain't going to happen. Now, so here's some tips that I I just want to share with you. For about, I'm going to say $12, you can buy a product called Private Preserve. And what it is, is it's argon in a can. Now, when you pick up the can, you're going to think that whatever was in the can are gone. (laughs) Little pun there. It doesn't weigh anything because it's a a gas, right? Uh, But there's uh, plenty in there. And then it's got a little straw that you put in the the little spout at the top. And you can just squirt three squirts into your bottle. And then the argon settles down on top of the wine. And it creates a shield between any oxygen that might be in the wine or in the wine bottle. And any oxygen that might be in the wine bottle and the wine itself. So it does a pretty good job of protecting it. How long is it going to protect it for? I'm going to say uh, not as long as you think, but probably you can get a few days out of it. You might get a, a week out of it. We don't really hear people talk about this too much, but I guarantee you one of the best ways to preserve your wine is to put it in the refrigerator. And it's like, oh, but I've got red wine and I'm going to refrigerate it. Well, first of all, white wine's probably going to last longer and, and it's going to do better in the refrigerator. But the truth of the matter is, is that the colder the wine is, the less vulnerable it is to uh, oxidation. And so if you don't have any other way of preserving your wine, then, you know, what you want to do instead is you want to just put it in the refrigerator. That'll actually work out pretty well for you, I would say. If you know a winemaker, you probably know that they have a cabinet somewhere on the property where they keep odd bottles, all sizes, all shapes, uh, all kinds of quantities. And what they do is when they are, for instance, working with samples, they don't want the sample to go bad. So what they do is they actually take the wine that's in a bottle where there's now some airspace, and they will dump it into a smaller bottle, and uh, you know wait till it you know kind of overflows, put the cap on it, and it stays uh, just as good as can possibly be. It's that airspace that really is the killer, so that's what you want to watch out for. Now, in, in terms of some of the other products that are out there, there are all kinds of things, you know, including we've all seen these products that pump the air. Yeah, yeah there's a little hand pump, and it pumps the air out of the wine bottle and that's kind of marginal at best. I think you can probably get a couple of days out of it, and that's it uh so you know you can get one of those, but just remember that you're gonna get maybe two or three days at best in terms of preservation, so you might wanna just you know spring for something a little bit better. Uh, The the other thing that I think is a warning that I should give you is if you are decanting your wine and you don't finish the wine and you decide to put the wine back in a bottle, you're just wasting your time. If you decant a wine, drink the wine. (laughs) Don't do anything else with it. It is not going to make it through the night. It just plain isn't going to do it. All right, that's enough preaching for the moment. We're going to take a commercial break and we'll be back with more grape encounters and uh, more thoughts, including a really interesting story about uh, something that happened last night that I think you'll find very interesting and maybe very helpful as well.
0: We've got to take a breather for a minute or two. Don't go away. Remember, if we don't let the wine breathe, it's impossible for the show to be done in good taste.
1: Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Winamore. If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy malbec. Nothing
2: beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get-together. Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Winamore. <sniffs> Cheers!
1: I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted pinots, syrahs, chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does. And these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E Ranch.
2: Savor Oregon's finest wines at the Oregon Wine Experience's Grand Tasting on Sunday, August 25th. Work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites. Don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of Oregon in one unique location. The wine pours start at 2 p.m. Plan your experience today. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience. It's everything Oregon.
0: Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we believe there's no way to fake a great wine, and where we never fake our disdain for the really bad ones.
1: All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and we're talking about... Some of the things that you probably shouldn't do if you're a wine enthusiast. The next story is something that happened just last night. I'll get to that in just a second because I did want to say that one of the things that you should do is to check out the more than 2,000 winery direct items available at Total Wine & More. They have forged these incredible relationships which give you access to really remarkable wines that you're not going to be able to find anyplace else. Just look for the yellow shelf tag. Okay, so on to this conversation that happened last night. This was really bizarre, but I think it's going to be really super helpful to a lot of you. Now, as many of you probably know, I operate something called the Grape Encounters Emporium. And it's basically, it's just a clubhouse that I built for our listeners out here on the central coast of California. And uh, it's where people come and, you know, drink great wines and share ideas and you know relax and just have a really good time. Well, there is a customer of ours that's been coming since day 1 and day 1 was about 6 years ago. And he's an avid wine enthusiast, he's a really super healthy guy, but he came in feeling very troubled last night. He related a story to me and I'll I'll share it with you. He said, "David, over the past few weeks, I've been going to some wineries and And drinking different wines. And the minute I take a sip of wine, my face gets bright red. I start itching. I feel terrible and I'm not sure what to do. And, you know, if you have been listening to Grape Encounters over the past, uh, I don't know, four or five weeks, we did a piece about wine allergies. And in that particular piece, we talked about uh, the absence of an enzyme in certain people's systems that will cause them to have wine allergies. Now, you would think that it's something that would not come on, you know, just all of a sudden with somebody. But anyway, let me tell you the rest of the story. So he said, I want to show you what happens to me. And he said, and it doesn't just happen with red wine. And as most of you probably know, when somebody has an issue with wine, it's usually red wine. And I think in in many of those cases, they have an issue with the tannins, and those tannins are non Existed in the white wine, but he said that he actually has a worse reaction with white wine than with red wine. So he asked me, if I would pour him two half glasses of two different white wines. And he wanted to demonstrate what was going on with him. And I said, well, I don't know if I want to participate in this little guinea pig operation. But he says, no, no, no. I want to show you. I'm not going to die or anything, but I just want to show you what happens. So we poured him some wine. And within a couple of minutes, he was so flush. It was amazing to me. He was just bright red. And, you know, I mean, he wasn't passing out or anything his, his throat wasn't closing up but it, he said look at me he says i, I just itch something terrible and this is what is suddenly happening to me when i drink any kind of wine and you know especially the the white wines were really distressing to him and so this story that we did a few weeks back pointed to some enzyme deficiencies that people apparently have and if you can get these enzymes supplemented into your system you might not have to suffer through the problems of wine allergies but i didn't have those enzymes readily available but i looked at him and i said hey you know what have you ever considered taking some benadryl because you're having a re- reaction that looks really very similar to what happens to me when i get stung by a bee and I, except for me it can be far worse a bad sting will throw me into anaphylactic shock and the next thing you know, I'll be in the back of an ambulance. So, But what made me think about the Benadryl is the fact that I have been stung by bees my whole life. And it wasn't until about, uh, I would say, eight years ago that suddenly those bee stings would have this really dramatic adverse effect on me. So uh, the next thing you know, I, I, I grab some Benadryl because I keep it around just because of the problems that I have. But nonetheless, uh, you know, Benadryl is an over-the-counter drug. It's pretty innocuous, and it's actually very, very effective. So he took a Benadryl, and the most amazing thing happened. Literally within about three to five minutes, his flush face completely cleared up. It was, it was totally amazing. So then he drank the other half glass of White wine, no problem. And then he went on to two half glasses of red wine, no problem. So I don't know if we discovered something here, but the reason I'm I'm saying that this is a thing that a wine enthusiast shouldn't do is what you shouldn't do is jump to conclusions because so many people think that they have allergies to tannins and that they have allergies to sulfites, and that, that may not be the case. Given the fact that Benadryl is pretty harmless, I would say this, that if you do have a reaction like that, you might want to pop a Benadryl. You know what? I'm not, again, I'm not a doctor and, you know, I have no business, you know, telling you to take certain medications, but in a pinch, you just might try it. So uh, again, don't jump to conclusions. And by the way, if you think that you have sulfide allergies, chances are you probably don't because there are so many things that we all eat Uh, lunch meats, dried fruits that have way more sulfites than you're going to find in wine. So don't jump to that conclusion. And, you know, if you do have uh, what appears to be a wine allergy, you might want to go to your allergist or at least talk to your doctor. Okay? All right. We're going to move on to another story. uh, And and this has nothing to do with the the topic at hand here, but it's something I I really want to talk about because... The wine industry lost an amazing person about a week or so ago, and and somebody that I had the privilege to meet, and at least actually on multiple occasions, and talk about a godfather in the wine business. It's Charlie Barra, and he passed away at the age of ninety two. Lived in Ukiah, and that's in California. And he was referred to as Mendocino County's godfather of grape growing, born in, uh, back in 1926. Now get this, uh, Charlie had 73 straight years of grape harvest. And over 40 years, he was a big time advocate for the California North Coast Grape Growers Alliance and uh, put in just decades of public service. But one of the most interesting things about Charlie is he was responsible for forming the very first AVA in the United States. And when I say AVA, when you look at a bottle of wine and it says Napa or it says... Mendocino or it says Finger Lakes or whatever it might be. That's what an AVA is, and it designates a a certain area. And Charlie was the first person to cause that to happen in the U.S. Just a gigantic, amazing feat. He was also one of the early pioneers of sustainability, and he really founded some ways of protecting grapevines without using a bunch of pesticides. So he was an organic farmer long before we even used the word organic. And so the contribution that this man made to the wine industry, it literally, I'm just giving you a couple of examples, honestly, because they go on and on and on. But I had the opportunity to first meet Charlie, I'm going to say like about five or six years ago. And it just so happens that my brother lives in Ukiah, and he's very involved with the winemakers there. And uh, I was up there visiting him, and he said, hey, how would you feel about coming over and meeting Charlie Barr? And I go, are you kidding me? I'd love to. And so we ended up going to Charlie's house and just sat down on his couch. And I hadn't planned on doing an interview, but... Charlie is just one of the most amazing, interesting people, you know, guy with a twinkle in his eye and couldn't be more unpretentious. And he has had such a massive influence on the wine industry throughout, uh, you know, not just really the United States, but throughout the world. So he'll be really sorely missed, but he'll be remembered for a really long time and, and thank goodness that he had a, a great long life. I, I saw him last last year at Wine Song in Mendocino and got a chance to visit with him for a little while. And he was obviously slowing down, but that's when he told me that he was, uh, you know, about to do his 73rd harvest. Can you even imagine that? I mean, when you think about this, California wasn't even a speck on the world wine industry map, but it was people like Charlie Barra who made it happen. Charlie, we miss you. And my very best to Martha Barra, who I just dearly love. She's been on the show. And uh, Charlie, you'll be sorely missed. And Martha, I know that you will keep his legend alive. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this.
0: Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuve in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio.
1: Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Winamore. Nothing beats beers and burgers, and with so many to choose from, we've got the perfect cold one
0: waiting for you.
2: Serving up salads at your cookout this weekend? Add a dry rose to the table for a perfect pairing.
0: When I'm the barbecue grill master, I've got to have a cold lager in my hand.
2: Hey, grab me another! Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our
1: always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Winamore. <laughs> Cheers! Sold right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from zip-lining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted pinots, syrahs, chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does. And these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P E A K E Ranch.com.
0: People often ask why hasn't someone tarred and feathered Grape Encounters host David Wilson for breaking so many of the old rules? Simple no one likes the old rules.
1: We're back with Grape Encounters Radio. We are talking about things that wine lovers probably shouldn't do. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of things that we should not do as wine lovers is to give up on that bottle of wine that you have. Maybe somebody gave it to you. Maybe you bought it at a winery. Or you bought it someplace else. But anyway, you opened it up and it just didn't taste right. You know, that's a dilemma that so many people face. It's like, oh, I don't want to drink this or, okay, I'll suffer through it because I paid $43.99 for it and – I uh, probably wouldn't have paid $4.99. By the way, it doesn't matter how little you paid for a wine. It doesn't make it any better. Like if, if it's a $3 bottle of wine and it tastes terrible, that's $3 down the drain, right? Well, actually, no. A lot of people don't realize that you're not stuck with a bottle of wine. The first thing that you have to overcome is the idea that wine is sacred. Imagine if you thought coffee was sacred. You would never go into Starbucks and, and say, uh, I'll have a cup A coffee and you wouldn't ask for your cappuccino to be semi-dry. You wouldn't ask for non-fat milk versus 2% and so on. You just take whatever they give you, right? You wouldn't adapt at all. But there have been many occasions in my life where I have opened a bottle of wine that I'm not going to be able to take back. And so my choices, I guess, are that maybe I can get somebody else to drink it, but the bottle's been opened, so they better drink it fast or it's going to turn. Or I got to find another solution. And, you know, there's a really great episode that I did a couple of years ago with Michael Mandavi, And I was really scared when I told him that when I get a bottle of wine that I don't like, I am prone to tinker with the wine. And that means sometimes adding sugar. It sometimes means adding port. It sometimes means adding water. I asked Michael if I was going to go to wine prison. And he said, no, you should be put on a pedestal. And then went on to tell me that, for instance, when he He's in a restaurant and he orders a bottle of white wine and the acid level is particularly low, that he just asks for a couple of slices of lemons. So let's talk about some of the things that you can do with a bottle of wine so that you don't make the mistake of giving up on the wine. The first one is this, and it's, it's not obvious to most people, but I'll simply put it to you this way, that Americans tend to really love fruit-forward wines. We like to taste a little bit more of the fruit, a little more of the sugar. It doesn't mean we necessarily love sweet wines, but we, you know, we don't like them so dry that they sometimes taste a little washed out. Kind of reminds me of uh, when I was a kid and my mom would uh, make green beans out of a can. They just had this sort of stewed, bland, icky kind of quality to them. And just the other day, I was tasting wines with a wine distributor. And one of the things that I found about those wines was that a good portion of them matched exactly what I was just describing to you. They just they tasted overcooked and stewed and ick. And one of the things that I got confirmed by Michael Mondavi was the fact that when you add a little bit of sweetness to wine, that it's not just making the wine sweeter, that something really magical happens, that there's actually a chemical reaction that goes on with the wine. And it's kind of like putting miracle grow on your lawn and on your shrubs and on your flowers. But goodness, you know, you can spray a little miracle grow on your plants and like the next day they're all going, hey, look at me. I look so much better. And a little sweetness in wine will do the same thing. I don't recommend taking like a little teaspoon of sugar and putting it into your glass of wine because it doesn't dissolve very well. But uh, something like simple sugar, which is a, a liquid form of sugar, can work very well. But what works really the best is to use a ruby port. Okay, that's a port that's not oxidized. So it doesn't have that sort of hazelnutty quality. And you can just put it in there. And good grief, it opens up your wine like you can't believe. So, uh, you know, a little bit of sweetness can make a really big difference with just a little sugar reintroduced into it can make all the difference in the world. And again, a tiny bit of sugar. We're talking about a baker's teaspoon, not a teaspoon that you would use, you know, from your sugar bowl or for your cereal or whatever. Now, the other thing that works really amazingly well when when you guys are drinking a glass of wine and you say the wine is hot. Generally speaking, you're probably referring to the alcohol level in the wine. I learned a trick uh, some years ago. What you do is when the wine has that bite to it, just take less than a teaspoon, again, of water. You know, just bottled water would be better, but even out of your tap would be okay. And you add it back to a full glass of wine. Now, what this does is it lowers the percentage of alcohol in the wine. High alcohol masks a lot of the flavor in a wine. When you reduce the alcohol, it causes the wine to just blossom. You would think that... What would really happen is that the wine would be diluted. But in reality, you'll be shocked to find out that when you have a high-alcohol wine and you add back just a little bit of water, a lot of the beautiful flavors, the deliciousness of the wine will suddenly come through, and it'll be delicious. Uh, Hopefully, all of these tips have helped you today. I'm going to be back here next week, so I look forward to talking to you then. If you have any questions in the meantime, you can go to GrapeEncounters.com and uh, fill out a contact form, I'll be happy to respond back to you. You can sign up for our mailing list there. We'd love to have you on that mailing list and we can send you lots of really cool information and be sure to check out our brand new podcast, The Wine is Talking. Uh, We get a little grittier than we do on Grape Encounters. Again, it's The Wine is Talking at thewineistalking.com. Hey, you know, we've been doing the Grape Encounters thing for over a decade now, and we do this just so that you can have more fun with your wine. And there's another organization out there, Total Wine and More, that is doing an extraordinary job of making wine just so much more pleasurable and just expanding your horizons if you haven't been to a total wine and more store gosh you gotta check them out amazing amazing selection of wine amazing people and they just make your wine life so much better you can find the location nearest you Or do some shopping online by going to TotalWine.com. We thank Total Wine for helping to make Grape Encounters possible. Can't wait to talk to you next week. We'll be right back here. And in the meantime, you know, life is just too short to drink wine that isn't delicious. And man, is there a lot of delicious wine out there. We'll see you next week.
0: Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at GrapeEncounters.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounter Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us, but be warned, you won't want to leave. That's okay, we have a spare bedroom. But it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles.